Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Roots of American Music Lift Their Voices podcast series. We have a full room of voices today uh, who we're going to be talking to. And we're going to be talking specifically about the generations, the passing of music from teachers to students, parents to children, uh, something that's very, very important to the mission of Roots of American Music. Uh, and something that's encapsulated in their mission every single day. I'm going to, before I introduce everybody, I, I'm actually going to introduce one of the board members of the Roots of American Music. George Blake is with us, and he's going to kick us off by talking to our very special guests today, Reggie Bowens and Dr. William Woods. Um, hi, George. Hello, Greg. So first of all, before we, we get to our guests, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your position as a board member on Roots of American Music, please. Yeah, so I've been on the board uh, for about two years, and that kind of emerged in connection with my work as a faculty member at Case Western Reserve University, where I teach um, courses on Cleveland music, and I teach other courses as well. Um, but the kind of route to this position really emerged uh, when I was doing some field work in Cleveland uh, many years ago, and I interviewed Reggie Bowens, who is someone I grew up with playing music through the Tri-C Jazz Preparatory Program and through the Music Settlement. And I also interviewed various other musicians in, in town, and I was really trying to get a sense of what is Cleveland music all about? How are there all these great musicians in town? Where do they come from? And, you know, and a name that kept coming up with was Dr. William Woods. Um, Lafayette Carthon was like, oh, Dr. Woods is a, just an amazing figure in the Cleveland scene. He's really made it happen. And Reggie, who I who I'd known from Tri-C and the Music Settlement, was like, oh, you got to talk to Dr. Woods. So that was another moment where I was able to reach out and interview Dr. Woods as part of getting a picture of where do all these great musicians come from? And educators is a big part of that story. So a big part of this series, the Lift Their Voices uh, podcast series, is that it, it also corresponds with special um, performances at the Bop Stop, and this episode is no exception. Next Sunday, March 13th, from 2 to 4.30 at the Bop Stop, Reggie's, Reggie Bowen's quartet is going to be playing. Dr. Woods is going to be there, and there are some other uh, performers who will be performing in front of their teachers. It's a whole kind of generations theme. Um, and with that, uh, I'll plug that again at the end. But George, why don't you take it away and, and, uh, and talk to, to Reggie and Dr. Woods? Well, great. Thank you so much. I, I think I'll ask Reggie uh, the first question. And, and just, Reggie, could you say a little bit about what Dr. Woods has meant to you in, in, as a student, and also a little bit about how you function and work as a teacher these days? For sure. Um, thanks again for having me on the call today. Um, I met Dr. Woods, I guess it was in the sixth grade. Um, I was an instrumental music major at the time, so I wasn't able to be in the choir until the ninth grade year when I um, got into the jazz choir. So got involved in the jazz choir, and Dr. Woods, um, he opened my eyes up to vocal jazz in an ensemble setting, a chamber setting, and and uh, also as a you know, jazz pianist. And I did some, some other private lesson work with um, a few instructors, but I remember specifically Dr. Woods sitting down to teach me um, about the blues. 
and uh, through, through some Miles Davis tunes, um, especially all blues. We sang a New York Voices arrangement of that back in high school. And he showed me, you know, this way of, of comping or accompanying the singers that just made sense. And so um, that was one of my earliest memories of Dr. Woods uh, influencing me in that regard. And then even just getting exposed to different groups like the Manhattan Transfer and Take Six. Um, you know, we did some some of those different tunes. I think we did like Birdland and uh, Nightingale and Barclay Square. And um, I remember being interested to, to transcribe some Take Six when I was in high school. And Dr. Woods let me do it on his computer. I think I was working on Getaway Jordan, which was over 15 years ago. I don't think I ever finished that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Was on finale, Reggie? It was on finale. Um, as a matter of fact, Dr. Woods <laughs> gave me his finale CD to install it on our home computer. Um, I think it was finale 2002. That's exactly the one it was because I had 2001. And so, um, yeah. I mean, Dr. Woods has been a part of my life since then. You know, as you know, as a fellow educator now, you know, I'm able to reach out to him. Uh, I remember in the early years of my summer acapella camp, uh, just trying to build that program for teenagers. I would always reach out to Dr. Woods, like, "Hey, you have any students who would <clears throat> this?" And he would always have many students, um, great students, great and talented. Um, and it also made the transition easy because they had some of the same instruction that I had received, um, and so. I'm I'm just I'm really grateful to be a part of this event to be able to to tribute him. Um, he has been very impactful in my life. Um, to spend a little time with him, maybe a year ago, I think, uh, did a dinner at his house and uh, got to cook a little bit for him. And so, um, but yeah, great. Thanks, Reggie. Uh, it was a vegan. Did you cook vegan for Doctor? Uh, Doc, did you have salmon or did you have the vegan meal? It was salmon. <laughs> right. Right on. It was very, very well done. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Reggie's known for his vegan and his salmon cooking in town. Um, mm -hmm. So, Dr. Woods, uh, could you say a little bit about um, your your experience as, as a teacher? And maybe do you have any influences you could tell us about? Were there any educators who influenced you before you got into being a teacher? Well, first of all, starting with jazz, I came from a family of jazz lovers, not musicians, but the lovers. Jazz was always uh, present on, in, in in our house on the radio uh, through phonographs. And uh, I started piano at a very early, early age. So I think I started playing piano when I was about six, maybe seven years old. But I didn't get, you know, I didn't get into jazz studies or anything like that until I had gotten into college. So I went to Tennessee State University, which had a strong jazz program and had, was able to hang out with some of the uh, more, uh, more polished musicians uh, and to, you know, to watch them practice and to watch them rehearse. And then um, got my degree. Really, I'm, I am an organ major. And when, when I was in college, I was major, majored in the pipe organ, not the piano. I changed from piano to pipe organ. So, but I kept that jazz you know, in my, I guess in my bones, even though I couldn't, I didn't play it on the pipe organ, and, and nor was I allowed to even do that. But, uh, you know, it was very instrumental in my upbringing. And then when I got to the Cleveland School of the Arts, um, and I was there, I suppose, about, I think I talked there for 36 years. 
But my first year there, uh, I wanted to teach the students not only the Beethoven and the Mozart and that stuff, but also I wanted them to be well-rounded. And, and I, was want, I was wanting to be a well-rounded teacher myself. You cannot be successful today in music unless you, you, have, you have to be diverse. You have to be able to teach just about everything. So when I got there, there was a choir and I formed a group called the Meister Singers. You know, and you know, Meister Singers meaning that, okay, this is a German type group which would sing uh, madrigals and things like that in German and Italian and French. But uh, then I wanted this group to be diverse. So I started teaching the Meister Singers some jazz music. And so I changed the name from the Meister Singers to the Jazz Art Ensemble. And that's where Reggie comes in. As he, he was a member of the Jazz Art Ensemble. And I just and this was a school in the inner city district of Cleveland. And uh, these are students I thought were just as capable of learning all types of music, jazz, classical, and doing it as well as anybody else. And so what I did is I knocked into them the, uh, this idea that they can achieve this music. And the, the concert choir ended up singing uh, in German, in French, uh, and we even did the just the Psalms, and, and it's only written in Hebrew. We, and so we went up to the temple and did that in Hebrew, but maintained the, uh, the singers of the uh, jazz art ensemble. And so I had some very talented students, though, and Reggie was one of them. I mean, he was super talented. He came, yes, in the sixth grade. He had perfect pitch. I tested him. You know, I, I would have him face the wall. I would play a note, and he would ask me, you know, and I, and I would ask him to tell me, what is that note? He named every note. And then I would ask him uh, to sing a note, sing an A-flat for me. And he was singing A-flat. Of course, I didn't have perfect pitch, so I used a piano to test him. And so he was an outstanding student. He and many others. I won't name the rest of them because I don't want to be accused of leaving out, you know, leaving somebody off and uh, leaving their names out. But he was uh, a, a very good student. He was a superior student. He was alert to intonation, to ensemble. And uh, if, if you know him, those and you do know him, you know that I'm telling the truth about him, about him that he's an outstanding musician and an outstanding student. He went to Howard University as a math major, I think, started as a math major, but I didn't say anything when he told me he was going to major in mathematics. I knew that one day he'd come back and tell me that he now is a music major, and that's what happened. So, you know, he's, 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 he's outstanding. So it's been a pleasure working with him and other students. I will mention one other student. I cannot help but mention Lauren Talese. Lauren, uh, you know, she's a, a jazz vocalist out of Philadelphia. She has many CDs, and uh, she did a, um, she uh, what do you call this, a video of my wife and me when we, she tried to make it as though when we first met. And at that time, we had been married 53 years. So, and she did a very good job of that. But uh, and she and others are doing very, very well with that music. I'm very proud of them. And it was a pleasure for me to serve all of these students uh, at the Cleveland School of the Arts. And also, I talked then before going to CSA, uh, I taught at West Technical High School. It was a very, uh, very uh, pro uh, um, a successful program. And also I taught at John Hay. And that was, that was another successful program. 
Great. Thanks so much, Dr. Woods. Um, you know, not everybody can be a Reggie Bowens, you know, with perfect pitch, who's just coming in with his trombone and then singing and then doing all the things. But, you know, I think that that the role that a music teacher plays um, is sometimes in instilling habits of rigor or insti instilling things that aren't just about musical paths. So maybe, Reggie, is that something you could talk a little bit, bit about in your own teaching? Is there, what are some of the values that kind of come through music teaching uh, beyond just becoming a great musician? Well, um, so I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm thinking, I feel like back in elementary school, well, I say Dr. Woods was one of the first, if not the first um, African-American male instructor I had. Um, I don't recall having any in elementary school. And so I had a different connection with him than I had to any of my other instructors. And I had some amazing instructors, but there was something different about our connection. Um, we know that Dr. Woods, and, and still he was and still is, a, a no-nonsense kind of guy. You know, and that sort of discipline is what kept the group, you know, going and, and being able to operate, you know, having such a structure where you knew this instructor was uh, coming from a place of love, but also a place of, you know, trying to get you focused and, and to learn. I mean, like you said, he's teaching us all this diversity. And I think about all the different types of gigs that I do now. Um, that are not only in jazz, you know, I have pockets here and there. And it's because Dr. Woods pushed us into these different areas to utilize, you know, all of our God-given gifts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the value of being in the moment and, 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 and contributing your best, um, being willing. I remember, I have to tell this story. Uh, I think it was in ninth grade, maybe. Dr. Woods had me do a blues. Um, you remember Dr. Woods, uh, the Clark Terry Mumbles. Mumbles. <laughs> yes, mumbles. Um, so I, I had sang the tune. So it's a completely syllabic tune. It's, you know, there's nothing lyrical about it, but it's a blues. And um, there's a trombone solo in the middle of the tune. So when I had that, you know, opportunity to, to play trombone, that's what I was majoring in. That was cool. But one particular gig, I didn't know we were going to do this tune. And so Dr. Wood said, well, can you scat? <laughs> And I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't think I've ever done that before. You know, I've only seen, um, you know, different recordings maybe or uh, the different ensemble charts we had, you know, written solis and things of that nature. And so I, that was my introduction. That's the first time I remember scatting was when I didn't have my trombone. And uh, so I thank Dr. Woods for pushing me. I mean, scatting is what I, I love to do that now. <laughs> but at that time, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. <laughs> but may, may I may I add to that uh, that um, he had a trombone solo that night. I never will forget this particular event. And his singing, his scatting, and his trombone soloing was so intense, and it was so hot on stage. I mean, he was per he was soaking wet with with perspiration. He he wore glasses. His glasses was on were, were on the side of his head, almost falling off. I mean, he was really intent into that solo, which was which was done very very well. But I'd like to add this as well, uh, in in teaching Reggie and all of the students who have successfully uh, come through the music program at CSA. You know, there were times when where where, where I did not teach music at all. I taught them life. 
And sometimes they would come in, sometimes for a week, there would be, I, I would say, I wouldn't call these lectures, but these were forced, <laughs> forced conversations about life and what's expected of you and what you should do. And, you know, and sometimes it's something like one person who disobeyed a rule, a school rule, one of our rules, they disobeyed that rule. And so we had to let all of the students know that this was wrong. I don't expect this from you. And, uh, and, and so there were times when we did not deal in music at all, but we dealt with, with, with life. And one thing I, I always did, uh, if, you, if, you, if you broke a rule, if you did something wrong, you were punished some, some kind of how. And it made no difference what your status was in me. It was me. You know, you, it could have been my own daughter, which it was not. But, you know, everybody was treated the same way, sometimes brutally, but the same. Right on. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I think one one thing that has come to mind is is um, kind of the question of mobility. And and I know Reggie, you've you've studied here, you've studied elsewhere, you've traveled around a bit. And and Dr. Woods, I know you've taken students on tours. Um, maybe mm -hmm. Dr. Woods, would it be possible to reflect a little bit on, you know, uh, sometimes Cleveland is called Alabama North. Um, is there <laughs> anything from the, your, the kind of sensibility of music in Alabama that, that you brought here? And then could you say a little bit about the students traveling that you, that you taught? Sure. Um, first of all, Alabama. Yes, I'm, I am from Alabama, <laughs> as, you, as you may know. And, um, and that's the South. One thing that I wanted the students to understand, and this, is not, this was not jazz, this, was, this would be with all of my students, is the powerful... Uh, uh, the power, I should say, of the African-American spiritual. And so the choir, the choirs that I had at CSA, they were trained to sound like the HBCU schools in the South, that spiritual singing of, uh, you know, the singing of, of African-American spirituals, because you, you don't get that now. And it, you know, and I can say that, uh, the training that I had from there, the, the association that I had, uh, one was uh, Wendell Whalum, who was at Morehouse College. He came to Cleveland. He spent a whole day with me and my choir. He left us, left us some of his arrangements. And of course, uh, on, the, the, on the day that we learned of his death, we had our own little memorial program right there at CSA, doing the pieces that he had left for us and th that we had learned, you know. So that Southern HBCU sound is what I, you know, is what I really drove for, a pure sound, a nice sound. Mm -hmm. And then when we went on tour, we, I, we had two major tours. One was in, was in Japan, Sayatama, Japan. And, uh, we, and I took mostly, most members of the jazz out on some, not all of them, and then a few members of the concert choir. And we did our music, we did uh, magicals, we did uh, movements from the Requiem, from the Mozart Requiem. And we also did the African-American spiritual, which they loved very, very well. That, that brought down the house. And then I took another group uh, later on to, uh, to Europe. We went to, um, went to um, uh, Austria, went to Vienna, went to Augsburg. Um, I'm sorry, um, hmm. I can't think of the name, but anyway, we had, there were three stops 
in, in, in Austria. And this was a Mozart festival. And the, the kids were able to meet um, uh, Mrs. Alice Parker, an outstanding composer. And, uh, and actually we were at a banquet and they asked the CSA students, would you please render a song uh, for us at this banquet? And at that time I didn't know that Alice Parker was, was going to be there or that she was there. So the first piece that we sang, we did two pieces arranged by her. And lo and behold, on the next day at a, at a luncheon, uh, I sat right next to her and she complimented the group. And then she told me who she was. I said, no, wait a minute, you're not the Alice Parker. That she said, yes, I'm that Alice Parker. So, uh, and, and then there have been some other uh, tours um, to Washington, D.C. and many, many colleges from around here and also in Allegheny College in, in Pennsylvania. So it's, it's, it's been very, very rewarding. So one of the things that I've got the benefit of while we're conducting this interview is, is while Dr. Woods is talking, I'm watching Reggie smile big and nod his head and show all this energy and passion. And, and I, and I wondered when, when it comes to educating, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to having learned how much, how much, and, and you already talked about how so much more of teaching music is not just technical musical things, it's life, it's passion, it's energy. So Reggie, if you could talk a little bit about that as a student, you know, how did, how did you, how did you pick that up as a student? And how do you think about that when you're teaching students today, teaching kind of the, what, what we would consider the intangibles around music? I think during my time as a student at School of the Arts with Doc, I might not have, I probably didn't always get it, you know, just not being capable of, of that, um, you know, because of maturity and things of that nature. Um, as I got older, and, and as a matter of fact, I remember one of those disciplinary actions I received that I was granted, you know, I, I deserved it. Um, I wanted to change my major. I was, I was an instrumental music major. And I wanted to change my major to vocal music to be with Dr. Woods. But it was an afterthought after me, I would say, acting up um, in one of my classes with uh, an instrumental instructor. And um, he was not in support of me changing my major to vocal music, not because of talent or anything, but it was it was one of those things you 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 know, you have to learn from your mistake, you know, and I wasn't happy. I think when I got to the car, my mom, it was a meeting with my mom and the principal and it was a big thing. And I got to the car and I just cried. Um, that was also the same day I got my Howard University acceptance letter. So <laughs> that was, so it, it kind of helped a little bit, but, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I, I reflect on those things as, you know, as a teacher now, um, because one of the things I can say, Dr. Woods always made us feel comfortable, it made me feel comfortable to to be able to talk to him um, and know that he's going to give you a response that's coming with a bunch of wisdom and experience, um, but also just, you know, he's real. You know, it's, a, it's not, I'm going to try to formulate this, you know, academia way of, of uncovering this. No, he would just get to the nitty gritty with us and tell us what it was. Um, and so I have to use that, you know, in my teaching. I want my students to find that balance, you know, of uh, being able to talk. I, I get students who, who talk to me 
about just real life things the same way I would go to Dr. Woods um, and you know, sometimes still can have those conversations with them. And for you, Dr. Woods, kind of the same question. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how, how much did you think about that um, when, as you were dedicating yourself to education, how much of it was intentional and how much of it just came naturally to, to teach the, the, the important lessons around technical music? Well, you know, first of all, you have to have respect for your students, even when they need to be disciplined. And what I what I tried to do is teach them as I would my own children. Okay, but I tell you, I can sum this up in a sense: an old teacher. When I was a young, when I was just a beginner, a man sat me down as I disciplined, uh, attempted to discipline a student, and he told me this. And I've always passed this on to other teachers. You know. When it comes to comes to discipline, never allow the student to go away angry. No, no matter what your punishment is, you know, explain to them the situation, but don't allow them to go away in anger. You know, and so that's that's and so I that that's the way I I, I taught all of my kids, and uh, and I think it it really played played out because there was never a, a, a major problem uh, for a student who had had misbehaved or had gotten off the, off the track. And now they also need to understand that, you know, music is technical. If you can do this music, you can solve that math problem. Because in music, the notes have to be in place. If you are a violinist or a trombonist, as he was, you know, your slide must be in place. That note has to be in tune. If you're taking, uh, uh, if you're doing geometry, the numbers, the, the charts, everything has to be in place or else the problem is wrong and so is the music. And so this is the way, this is, this is the way we always taught them. You know, and I can say this, uh, I've never had, maybe on one occasion, has the choirs that I've had, on one occasion, no more than two, have they sung out of tune. Everybody was in tune, a cappella perfectly tuned because we you know we worked on that this is an a flat not an a natural there's a difference so i just want to remind everybody that uh reggie bowen's quartet is going to be playing at the bop stop sunday march 13th from 2 to 4 30 p.m there are going to be some other performers there as well um, performing pieces for their teachers uh, i'm going to turn it back over to george now um, and he's going to continue kind of on our theme about generations. Thanks so much, Craig. Um, you know, I think one thing that's really interesting to me is um, the idea of being a really a complete musician is what some people say. But there's also the question of what is taught in schools. And, and so, Reggie, I'm wondering, could you say a little bit about some of the things you teach, do you, have you had found any inspiration into maybe bringing in new curricular ideas to your teaching? Is there any connection to your gospel piano class that emerges from Dr. Woods? Could you say, talk about that? For sure. Um, I'm always interested in, in innovations and things of that nature in the classroom. Um, so, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the classroom right now as a student. Um, for those who don't know, I'm back in school. Um, at Eastman in New York. So I um, 
I get to be back on the other side a little bit, but I also have my assistantship responsibilities, um, which are new for me, um, teaching history courses and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I, I love to be able to um, expand what we do in academia. I think sometimes academia, that, the, that world can be, so, it can be such a narrow path and you can't, you can't waver a little bit, you know, or it's wrong, quote unquote wrong. Um, but music is so much greater than that. And I love the fact that a lot of universities and institutions are starting to implement popular music programs um, because that's what, that's what the students want right now. And um, I don't think we should substitute, you know, at all, no. I think there's a lot of foundations um, that you can get in, in uh, studying Western classical music, studying jazz music, uh, things of that nature. So I, to go back, I, I did a, uh, develop a course in gospel piano before I left for school um, at Cleveland State. And so I was teaching private lessons in gospel piano there. And then um, I also have my summer acapella camp where we're, and a lot of the acapella world, you know, today as a, as a genre is folk, is based in pop music versus, you know, some of the early doo-wop stuff or um, the things we might think of in acapella um, in, in, in the academia world. Great, thank you so much. And I guess, um, you know, so Roots of American Music is, a, is an organization in Cleveland that is trying to promote um, music to all different ages and, and to try to teach various um, uh, musical styles as well. Um, I guess uh, it, perhaps we could say a little bit, uh, have Kevin talk a little bit about what Rome's mission has been in that regard. Um, sure, George, I'd be glad to speak up here. Um, you know, the focus of Roots of American Music, you know, we want to preserve and present and educate through traditional American music. And we're big fans of gospel, big fans of the blues and jazz, early American jazz and the later jazzes of uh, Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. Um, but we also love Appalachian banjos and fiddles and and early country music, honky-tonk music. So there's uh, basically black black and white cultures coming together. It's, it's European um, comes together with Africa and we like all those different styles. Um, we understand that kids today, they, you know, they love these other styles of music, but we try to introduce them to some of these earlier uh, forms. I, mean, I think a good example is we have a K through three program with Cleveland schools called Blues is the Backbone. And, you know, you've know, got first graders, second graders, they're, um, they're learning the basics of music that you would in any music class, rhythm and pitch and different things, but they're also introduced to 12 bar formats and they get to write a little blues song. They get to learn about, let's say, Lead Belly or, or Muddy Waters or Holland Wolf or Big Mama Thornton. So they're exposed to these, uh, to their own heritage and to their own culture, but they, they don't, they may not even know it's theirs. And uh, so it's, education is great. Roots music is great. And uh, that's what kind of, what I believe and hope to pass on and, and hope other people, you know, embrace it. Great. Thanks so much, Kevin. And and Dr. Woods, do you think you could leave us with a few words for of advice for people who are aspiring to be teachers, people who are teaching today, 
what are some things that, that we should know at, at Roots of American Music and teaching music and, and for anyone who's teaching music anywhere? Yes. Uh, to, to emphasize the academic end of music, which is, to me, is music theory. Also music history, that can be also, but theory is important. And I think um, stu students today uh, need theory. They need to know the structure of all these pieces and especially the jazz pieces. Uh, they are so limited when it comes to theory. Uh, I think the one uh, fault I have at the Cleveland School of the Arts is that not enough emphasis uh, over the years has been put on teaching theory. Um, when I started there, we had theories one and two, uh, beginning theory and advanced theory, and then the students could go into actually composition and arranging uh, if uh, they wanted to take uh, an elective in the senior year. But I would like to see uh, the students more prepared uh, in theory and in teaching real good music. It doesn't have to be jazz. But uh, we go to these music reading sessions, and I stopped going years ago. Now, this is a complaint. You probably would cut this. But um, I, I would only, if, if, if we read through 100 pieces that day, I would keep about five. The rest of the music was junk. So we have to, we have to separate the junk from the real music and teach that. Good music is not, is not is, it can be difficult, but good music can be easy to teach. It may not be easy, but it could be easy, easy to teach. And when it's well-written and well-constructed, and by the way, uh, have the students understand what the composer had in mind when he wrote this composition. That's one thing I think, Reggie, we, we forgot to mention that. But in every composition that I ever taught, jazz or other, there was always a, a I would say maybe a whole period class period, an hour, talking about the piece and how it was constructed and why why it was constructed. That's very important. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and Reggie, any sneak previews of, of uh, any of the tunes you're going to do at the at the performance and maybe an hour or two uh, explanation of, of who wrote them and what they're about and how they're structured? Yeah, I'll give a, a, a short kind of a spoiler. Um, so these these sets that we're going to perform at the event uh, next weekend, the first set I'm going to mostly do uh, pieces that I do as uh, I perform as, as an artist. And so in, in kind of the world of, of my artistry, I've been focusing on sacred jazz a lot. So merging the sacred world and the jazz world so singing, singing a lot of jazz tunes, um, in a, in a, um, singing a lot of hymnals and sacred tunes in a jazz context. That's what I meant. Um, and uh, some of those things, like I said, learned from Dr. Woods, you know, with take six. Um, and then the second set is going to be, uh, it's going to feature some, some things I learned from Dr. Woods specifically. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I just uh, I want to remind everybody that that's Sunday, March 13th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. at the Bop Stop. Uh, we hope to see you all there on, on behalf of everybody on the on the podcast today. I just want to thank George for 
conducting the interview. And I want to thank our, our guests, Dr. Woods, Reggie Bowens, and Kevin Richards. Thanks so much for sharing with us and uh, hope to see everybody out at the Bop Stop. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.